0: Hey everyone, Greg Wells here. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back. For anyone who is watching live, that is fantastic. And also uh, for anyone that's watching the video or listening to the podcast, it's also great to have you here and uh, just super psyched to have you around. So today I have Todd Henry with me. Todd, I think you are the first triple guest on, uh, on the podcast, actually. So your previous episode was number 118. Uh, and uh, I think this one will probably be number. Let me look, see where we're at here. Oh my gosh, you're probably gonna be about one, number one hundred sixty nine or so. So, congrats! Great to have you back.
1: It is a deep privilege. Thank you. I love spending time with you, and you. I love your work, and uh, love your community. So, thanks for inviting me back.
0: Right on! And you have finished a book during um, this global pandemic. Uh, would love to hear sort of the background origin story for you about how you got into creativity, but then also, you know, how you wrote The Daily Creative, which is a long book uh, in, in three short months during, a, a you know, a global pandemic and various different lockdowns.
1: Yeah. So my, just very quickly, my background is I was a creative director for a number of years, uh, led the team of several dozen people at its peak and um, really sort of had to figure out how to create on demand every day and how to lead a team of people who had to create on demand every day. In other words, solve problems under pressure with limited time and budget, which is, hello, that's all of us, or pretty much any of us that actually do work these days. Um, And so started a podcast in the midst of my tenure as a creative director called The Accidental Creative, which is about how to structure dangerous intersections in your life where creative accidents are more likely to occur. And um, the podcast gained traction. That led to my first book, uh, which led to my second, which was called The Accidental Creative. Second book, Die Empty. Third book, fourth book, fifth book. And now the sixth book, which is um, Daily Creative. And the reason I wanted to write this book, especially in the midst of the pandemic, is that I encountered, as I'm sure you did, I encountered a lot of people during the pandemic who were really struggling. They were struggling emotionally to stay engaged. Um, you know, the entire world had shifted under our feet. Um, they were struggling in terms of their ability to focus on their work and produce work that they cared about. I mean, it's, you know, everything was kind of put in perspective for us, I think, by what was happening globally over the last couple of years. Um, Many of us were trying to work from home. And if you have families uh, or, you know, you have loved ones at home, it's a really challenging time to try to get work done when you have people hanging off your arm or, you know, you have other commitments. And also, so here's another thing that was interesting is, you know, in many ways, the workplace is the great leveler, right? Like we all go into the workplace, we all go into our our offices, and we're all pretty much on the same terrain. You know, we all have equal access to whatever we need. Well, when we're suddenly working from home, now you have people who have maybe, you know, a family of five living in a two-bedroom apartment and trying to do school and work and all of that in the same environment. And maybe somebody else is like in their palatial a state on the beach, you know, and they have so it was, you know, people were just trying to deal with all different kinds of circumstances. So, the reason I decided to write this book is I was encountering people who were struggling to stay engaged, but the people who seemed to be engaged, the people who seemed to continue to produce, were those who had practices in their life to help them sustain daily practices. And so, I decided to write a book that was really about. Sitting down every day for five minutes and engaging in a daily practice to help you stay prolific, brilliant, and healthy in your life and your work?
0: Um, super important. And I also very much noticed that, like, the daily routines, the rituals, getting dressed in decent clothes, like to sit at your desk in your kitchen, like all of that stuff became so important as all of our routines were basically stripped in and torn away from us. Now, you talk a lot about creativity, but let's, I want that to, I would love your thoughts on like, what, why does creativity matter? And because some people might think of creativity as only for like authors or musicians or artists, but it applies in music, science, business, even sports. So I'd love for your thoughts on just like, why is this such an important topic for everybody?
1: I'm so glad you brought this up because I think we often conflate creativity and art. We conflate those two words, right? And we think well creativity means making music or painting paintings or you're know, doing things like that. The reality is if you have to solve problems, you have to be creative. Any kind of problem solving is Creativity, and so you know, a doctor obviously solves problems all day long. Uh, you know, a, a strategist, a marketer, uh, an entrepreneur, somebody who runs a business, um, somebody who has to manage a team, an HR director. All of these are people who have to solve problems all day long, which means they have to do that under pressure as part of their job, and so they're prone to all of the same pressures and dynamics and pitfalls that the what we think of as the traditional creatives are. It's just that they don't necessarily think of themselves as creative. So they're not maybe as prepared for those moments. And so I think one of the ambitions of my life is to get people to embrace the tag creative. You know, we are inherently creative beings because we're wired to solve problems. That's what we're wired for as human beings. So um, to be creative is to solve problems.
0: I love it. And there are so many problems to solve as we emerge from this global pandemic, we need to reimagine a future where we can be healthy and reach our potential and all those sorts of things. Super important. And I'd love to know if you have any thoughts about like, the obstacles that are popping up for people. Problem solving is difficult. Being creative consistently is challenging. What are some obstacles that people run into? You know, How can we solve them? Like, What are you seeing?
1: Yeah, there are a number of them. Um, one that I saw a lot during the pandemic was this dynamic that I call dissonance, which is a gap between the why and the what of our work. Um, you know, Often, we throw ourselves into the work, but we don't necessarily understand the through line or the deeper why behind what we're doing. And one of the reasons that happens is because of this dynamic that I call unnecessary complexity. Um, you know, we, things don't tend to become more simple on their own. They tend to become more and more complex if you're left to the organizational uh, forces, organizational inertia. And so what often happens is our work becomes so complex, it's difficult for us to gain traction. On that work. So we need to seek simplicity. And and listen, during the pandemic, things became incredibly complex because now we're not only doing the work, we have to figure out all new ways of doing the work. And maybe we don't have the same input or feedback or whatever that we used to have because we don't have the same FaceTime that we used to have with, with others in our organization. And so um, we have to be careful about not making things needlessly complex, simplifying our systems, simplifying our how we define problems, which is a huge thing. You know, sometimes... A problem comes to us and every single member of the organization wants to have their say in how the problem is defined. And by the time it gets to us, it's just this giant Franken monster of a problem. We don't even know what we're doing anymore because it's so complex. So we have to strive for simplicity in how we approach the work because the work itself is inherently complex. So we should aim for simplicity. And so I would encourage people right now just to maybe think about are there ways in which I'm unintentionally perhaps making my work more complex than it needs to be? How can I simplify my processes? How can I simplify how I define the problems so that I can spend my finite creative cycles actually doing the work, not trying to resolve these complex systems and processes?
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've been relentlessly simplifying my life. And Judith, my wife as well, has been doing the same thing. Like. Clearing out contacts, clearing out subscriptions, clearing out distractions, like just relentless simplification has been the theme of this entire year. Which leads me to my mm-hmm. next question, which is things that pull us out of creativity, distractions, pings. Would love your thoughts on mm-hmm. on that.
1: Yeah, there is this dynamic that you just mentioned I call the ping. And the ping is this perpetual pinprick in my gut that says, you should go check your email right now. Right? Or you should go check your Twitter feed right now, or you should go check your phone because yeah. maybe the president is calling the you know, Prime Minister is calling you with a national security crisis, right? Um, it's this level of urgency that makes us feel like something out there is more important than what's in front of us. And it has us living in a state that researcher Linda Stone calls continuous partial attention. I'm always kind of here, but I'm kind of somewhere else at the same time. And there is 0% chance that we do our best work that way when we're living in this continuous partial attention. Creative work, problem-solving work, requires deep, focused time. And so we have to be much better. And I'm, by the way, when I say this, I have you know, three fingers pointing back at my own chest. We have to be better about carving time to be away from the lure of the ping. Um, your inbox represents everyone else's priority for your life everyone else's priority for your attention. And so we have to find time to be off the grid, to be away from the lure of the ping. Mm. Um, that that could look like, you know, a couple of hours in the morning. What, what, what I'm not saying is set your phone on do not disturb between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. That's not a good idea. Don't do that because, yeah. you know, we have jobs and responsibilities. But we have to find some time when we can be away from the lure of the ping and we can dedicate ourselves to just being human. We're learning a fundamentally new way of being human. I mean, our technology is outstripping our biological adaptation to that technology. And so we are learning a fundamentally new way of being human. And the net result, I think a lot is, for many of us, is anxiety. It's overwhelm. It's uh, you know, we tend to think that all of these stimulus are going to make us. These stimuli are going to make us more creative, but it just feels overwhelming if we don't have time to synthesize. And that's one of the biggest benefits of being off the grid is it gives you space to synthesize, to connect dots, to listen to your intuition, which is often crowded out by the noise of the day-to-day pinging that goes on. So be away. Try to find time to uh, to still yourself and to synthesize and spend time with your thoughts and listen to your intuition.
0: Yeah, even like fifteen minutes makes a difference. Journaling makes a difference. A little bit of time at night makes a difference. A walk in the park on the weekend makes a difference. Right? Like doesn't like you say it doesn't need to be nine to five, but it definitely needs to be a little bit of deliberate time throughout the course of the week. You mentioned what's what's interesting
1: about all this is that we. Oh, I'm sorry. We, you know people listening are probably thinking like, you know, this is, you know, I've heard this stuff, like, this is nothing new. There's nothing revolutionary about any of this. It's like, Oh, I never thought about that before, but it's not what we know. It's what we do that matters. You know, it's the disciplines we put in our life. It's the practices we put in our life that matter. And so knowing that this is important doesn't do you any good if you're not actually implementing it.
0: Yeah. Just on that note, like the disciplines, What I, one of the couple things that I've done, I don't know if that sentence makes any sense at all. A couple of the things that I've done are, Um, I've definitely used the new modes on the phone to say like during certain hours, I'm only available to certain people, right. I've set all of that stuff up. It took me like a couple hours to set it up, but now I'm like only, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with the people I need to be at the right time. And then the other thing I'm contemplating for the fall is actually getting rid of the phone altogether and just using a, a watch, for example, but again, all notifications off. So I'm not tempted to look at LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it happens to yeah. be—it's it's just simply not there. So I'm really rethinking my relationship with technology to try to just manage my mindset moving forwards and direct my attention where I want it to go.
1: I love that, and and you know Cal Newport, who I'm sure you've had interaction with as well. You know he recommends doing what he calls a digital detox, which means get rid of all of the apps, all of the you know, everything. And then start strategically reintroducing yourself to them. You reintroduce them into your routine, but get rid of all of them at first and just see what it's like to be without them. And then if you realize, oh, you know, I actually probably do need LinkedIn because I network there or whatever. Great. Then reintroduce it, but do it purposefully. Don't do it just by default, which is what so many of us do.
0: Yeah. And I've also moved all of my um, like email stuff to not the home screen of my phone. Mm. That way I don't see the notifications when I open it up. That was another little tip that I got from uh, Kunal Gupta. You mentioned overwhelm. When we're overwhelmed, tired, burned out, stressed, it's really difficult to be creative. Any thoughts about that? Just because so many people are struggling with basically a sense of, of overwhelm at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think so much of that, in my experience, talking with leaders and creative pros, the, the source of that sense of overwhelm is not necessarily the amount of work that we have to do, although sometimes that can be daunting. But usually professionals are capable of getting the work done. It's more of a sense of the weight of all that's undone. Right, it's all of the open creative loops, all of the problems we haven't solved, and we don't know when those problems are going to be solved. We don't know when that dissonance is going to resolve itself or that uncertainty is going to become more clear to us. And so, the net result of that is just a sense of doom, it's you know, overwhelm, it's a sense of anxiety about when that work is going to get done, that uncertain work. And so, one thing that I found really helpful is you know, to identify those big open loops, those you know, creative problems that need solving or uh, the big questions that need answered and actually block some time on the calendar for working on those problems. It's not so much... The work that overwhelms you, it's not knowing when the work is going to get done. And so if you have a big open creative loop that's really worrying you because you don't know when the idea is going to magically appear, well, put some time on the calendar to work on that and see if you can spend some time trying to gain traction and resolve it. Just putting time on the calendar, I know it sounds really simple, just putting time on the calendar for those big open loops will tend to in some ways, mitigate the amount of anxiety and overwhelm that you feel because you know there's time dedicated to working on those problems versus if you just allow them to sort of fester in your brain and eat away at your sense of security. So, um, you know, putting some time on the calendar can go a long way toward quelling some of that uh, anxiety and fear.
0: Doing things differently, becoming more creative, deliberately practicing creativity, requires a different approach. As you mentioned earlier, like we're learning to, as humans to interact with technology, but but we're also learning how to, we need to learn how to be creative, how to pro- solve problems. This is new for, for many of us. I'm curious if what your thoughts are about having the confidence to make the changes necessary to enable yourself to become more creative more consistently it's almost like being brave enough to trust in your abilities to do this that it's all going to work out because this is not normal thoughts on yeah that? yeah
1: absolutely well i so i i love this question because i think so many people especially people who are maybe earlier in their career feel like in order to be brave they have to be bold And I think there's a difference between bravery and boldness. Boldness is brash. It's rapid, sometimes irresponsible action, right? I'm going to do big things. I'm going to try big things, take big shots. But the reality is that bravery can just look like I am going to make steady, measured progress deliberately every single day in the direction of my ambition, And sometimes I'm going to do that in the face of uncertainty and doubt and confusion and maybe even critics who are telling me I'm crazy. Now, we should listen to the people who care about us and who are in the arena with us, people who really um, want to see us succeed. Not the people who are just lobbing critiques at us, but the people who are actually who have skin in the game. We should listen to those people. But listen, to be brave... Uh, And to produce great work really is a matter of steady, daily measured progress. And the way that you build confidence is through small wins, not through big wins, not through throwing yourself into the deep end and hoping you can figure out how to swim, but by setting some small measured uh, goals for yourself and accomplishing those consistently. Teresa Amabil from, uh, I think from Harvard, uh, wrote a great book called The Progress Principle, which... Was a an account of her research into how people developed resilience and hope and um, a sense of engagement in their work. And what she discovered was small wins are much more important than big wins. Small wins are where you build confidence, it's where you build resilience. It's where you develop your capacity to be brave uh, when it matters. And so, you know, we we practice bravery in small ways by confronting uncertainty confronting resistance confronting all those things and then when the moment comes when we need to be brave in a big way we've built this deep well of reserve of confidence that we need in those moments so that would be my advice is make small daily measured progress on what matters most to you
0: yeah that's really cool i actually have a little list of cards that i create and i just oh you can't see them anyway it's right there in front of
1: me yeah uh
0: each morning, I just jot down three to five things I need to get done that day, and it keeps me focused. Keeps me feeling like I'm actually making progress, even though it's overwhelming when you look at the big picture. When you do that daily progress, it makes a it makes a big difference. Yeah. I'd love to hear about the new book, The Daily Creative. Tell me about it. How can people get a hold of it? What What are we learning from the book? And uh, what's it all that?
1: Yeah, so it is a daily reader for creative professionals. So creative, because it's about sparking new ideas and you know dealing with some of that uncertainty that we deal with every day. And professional, meaning we go to work and we solve problems for pay every day. And so um, it really is designed to help people develop um, mindset Uh, tools, skills, and just some of the emotional reserves they need to be able to tackle their work each day. So it is every day, 366 days, because we do have these, you know, occasional leap days, 366 entries um, takes about three to five minutes every day to sit down and read through the entry. And there's also every day, a challenge and a question to ponder. And, you know, we talked about journaling earlier. And one of my great hopes is that people will spend some time with that question every day, spend some time journaling and really exploring their process and exploring how they're approaching their work. My ambition with this book is to create a community of people who are having meaningful personal deep dives into their own process but also meaningful conversations about some of these topics and we can all get better together as we progress toward being prolific brilliant and healthy in our life and in our work so dailycreativebook.com is where you can find out about it depending on when you're hearing about this uh, there are all kinds of pre-order incentives and bonuses and fun things as well but dailycreativebook.com is where you can learn more about the book
0: Brilliant. Todd, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy days to to hang with us for the third time. and uh, i'm I have the book printed out. It's on my desk. I'm going to get started. I've got a pre-version, a pre-release version. So I'm psyched, and uh, we're off and running. Thanks so much, buddy. Fantastic. Thank you.